As a Mexican-American daughter of immigrants, Daisy witnessed her parents' relentless efforts to achieve a better future for her family. Taking their efforts to heart, one of Daisy's core values lies in achieving success in order to be able to provide for her family while also helping others. As a first-generation student, navigating her educational goals was a complex journey that fostered a passion for student affairs. This passion turned into a career that enabled her to remain true to her values by allowing her to help students reach their own definition of success. She earned her BA in Psychology and Law and Society from UC Riverside and her MS in Educational Counseling from CSU San Bernardino, all while working in various student affairs settings. In short, my friend is a badass. Working as an academic advisor slash counselor in the UC system over the past 13 years has provided Daisy with opportunities to grow professionally while gaining memorable experiences with students and colleagues. She looks forward to continual growth and finding innovative ways to best support students as they grow towards their educational goals. Please join us in welcoming my fabulous friend, Daisy Escobedo. Everybody, welcome back to the Bestie Bestie Boom Boom podcast. Today, I am so excited because I have one of my longtime friends, college friend, joining us today. Her name is Daisy. Say hello, Daisy. Hola. <laughs> and she is, uh, we're going to be talking about um, some tips coming from a fellow academic advisor, counselor um, for our young Latinas. So let's get started. Daisy, can you please tell us a bit about your background, what you currently do, and what led you to it? Definitely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. You guys are a blast, and I love listening to you guys, and so excited for what's to come. And it's definitely an honor to be here with you. And so to give you a little bit of background, um, so I, like you said, I am first gen student and I went to UC Riverside with Elvia. Highlander. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I completed my BA in psychology law and society. But right when I started, it was definitely a shock. I was like, this is different. This is not high school. <laughs> and um First of all, just landing on campus and seeing how big it was was definitely a shock. And then I started going to my classes and I was still working at a bank. And then the bank was like, what do you mean you have a midterm? You still have to come into work. And I was like, yeah, this isn't going to work. So I had to choose either banking or going on with um, my BA. And so I decided to quit that job, pursue my BA. And I got an on-campus job in a student affairs office. And that was really important for me because they let me prioritize my education and um, worked around my schedule all the time. And the biggest impact was that I was able to see student affairs in the back in the background, you know, all the all the ins and outs of how it worked, not just the me going to see an advisor, but actually what the advisors do in the background. So that's when I actually fell in love with student affairs. And after I graduated, I started working as an advisor for graduate students at UCR. And then I went on to um, pursue my master's in educational counseling at Kelsey San Bernardino. 
And I've been advising ever since. And so I've been advising for about 13 years now, um, not including the undergrad years there in the office, but it feels like it's been like a few years, but it's, it's really going by fast. And throughout, I've advised different populations, undergrad, graduates, so students getting their master's and PhDs, as well as students getting their BA. I worked at UCI as well as so UC Irvine and UC Riverside. And um, on a personal note, I am married. I have two baby boys under two years old. I know I am crazy and <laughs> not sure how I'm surviving, but it's happening. And uh, I'm very close to my parents as a Latina. You know, my parents, uh, I owe them everything I feel. And so I try to make sure I take care of them and any needs that they might have. We live close by to each other. So it's definitely interesting balancing, you know, family, my own little family, along with my extended family and work and all of that. But we get it done. And so that's a little bit about me. Awesome. I love that. Uh, you're the only really uh, friend in my friend group that I could talk about student affairs stuff and like really understands like all the things that we have to do put up with and all that stuff yeah Um, because in like just looking at at students affairs as a whole um it's not very common to find people like in your circle that do exactly what you do, especially in student fairs. So I love that I have that to share with you and we can really understand each other on that level. Yeah, right. You guys like to tease me out. You're like, oh my God, girl, can you believe my boss? And then you're like, oh my God, my boss does that too. No, it's not not the boss, girl. It's the students. Can you believe the students? Can you believe? No, but the bosses be tripping too sometimes, so. (laughs) I think it's really cool, Daisy, that you um, decided to jump into advising, like, as a student. Um, I kind of want to know more about what your college experience was like, especially knowing that you were kind of behind the scenes. And, like, knowing that you were kind of in a better position maybe than most students, did you feel like you had good advising during your college days? Do you feel like you were guided properly, especially because maybe you had a leg up being in the student affairs um, department? Interestingly, no, I did not. <laughs> I, I actually, you know, so in a, and this is the thing with like a, a huge institution, um, advising is very different from department to department. And so in my office, mm-hmm. even within an office, like I worked in a student affairs office, right? And there was very great advisors that made a huge impact developing new programming. Like they were amazing. There were other advisors that just were not as great. And I got, and there were all my colleagues and um, you can kind of see the ones that kind of gave it their all others that were just kind of getting a paycheck and maybe they were burnt out. There's also burnout, which happens to a lot of advisors. Um, And so in my situation, even though I worked with some great advisors, when I sought advising, it was not a good experience. Even just from the day I landed on campus for orientation, um, one of the advisors at orientation, I asked a question. I don't remember what the question was, but as I was on campus, it was already very, like I said, a shock seeing how big this place was. And then um, 
walking into this orientation where they're like, okay, now you got to pick your classes. You got to do this. You got to do that. And you're just like, what, 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 what? Like, what do you mean? Like my counselor gave me my classes in high school. Like, what do you mean I have to choose? Like, I didn't have an, as a first gen student, I didn't have an older brother or sister to tell me, Hey, like, this is what's going to happen at orientation. And you should look into this before. And like, I just went in, you know, with no other knowledge than I just have to be here today. And I asked a question, I don't remember what the question was, but the advisor made me feel like a complete dumbass. Like she just mm-hmm. made me feel so stupid. And I immediately got um, flooded with imposter syndrome. I was like, oh crap, like somehow I made it through, but I wasn't supposed to, and I, I'm not supposed to be here. I messed up, something happened. I wanted to cry, but I was like, no, get it together, go back, figure it out. And moving forward, I didn't see another advisor until I was about to graduate because I was like, I'm not going to experience that again. And so I just kind of read the catalog on my own, learned to navigate that on my own, my requirements, check those off. And and then one of the graduation requirements was that you have to see your advisor before you graduate. So senior year, I go to see my advisor and she was terrible like she was like what are you doing here I'm like well it said I needed to come in and see you she's like okay so what do you want and I'm like um I don't know like there was a hold on my account is that I needed to come and see you so I'm here and she's like you're fine I'll remove the hold and like she sent me on my way and I was like what the fuck was the point of that you know so Mm -hmm. it wasn't a good experience for me as an undergrad but those two bad experiences kind of fed my drive to be an advisor that wasn't that way and to emulate some of the great advisors that I was working with. One of them, she was also Latina, and she was just so connected with her students and even helped the students that were on academic probation, made programming for them. And I was like, see, that there's someone making an impact, and I can do that. And so that's why when I graduated, I continued to see positions in student affairs. Oh, so good. I bet both, like, LV, I wonder if you ever felt that way too, just both of you being in advising. It's always good to, like, you go through this trauma of the experience and then you end up in that role and you're like, I never want my students or the students that I work with to ever feel the way I was made to feel, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like there was many, I think, especially I had a lot of just personal struggles in college. And I mean, a lot of people did. Um, And I, was just like didn't understand the role of an advisor or what they did so I never really sought them out until it came to points like that like where Daisy you were saying that they put a hold in your account and they like force you to come in um which I'm very familiar with doing as well now on the other end um but yeah, that that was my experience too. Like, just I didn't understand their role, and I didn't know how to use them. I didn't know what kinds of questions I should mm-hmm. be asking, even when I was in those meetings. Mm-hmm. So, um, for me, it was always like I think it was more just transactional meetings that I was having. I wasn't, you know, trying to ask them questions or get to know them or any of that stuff so yeah uh, it's definitely things I've learned now it's it I always say this that for me when I went to graduate school and I was learning about my program I feel like I learned how to go to college 
Like I learned how to be a student. I learned what resources were available. It was really weird. Like, I don't know. I, I learned like all these things and I was like, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> it's like, I, I was just really like annoyed that I didn't know all these things when I was, when I really needed it. And now I was like much older and graduate school is a different thing. And it's not the same at, at all as going to undergrad. At least I didn't feel like it was. Um, so, yeah, it was completely different. Um, but which, I mean, kind of lead, we talked about our personal issues about in terms of, you know, not using the advisors maybe to our advantage. At least I didn't. But what do you think are some issues that students are encountering right now in higher education or even first-generation students um, that they may be facing today? Well, today it's Zoom and trying to figure out how to, <laughs> how to be a student remotely, but I mean, we can get to that For a little real. bit later. But just generally speaking, on uh, a regular academic school year, I would say um, students just going into higher education, straight out of high school, I feel like there's a lot of things that are just mountains to climb, um, but always navigating a higher education institution is so complex and there's so many layers to it, so many departments, so many resources and so many classes, so like so many requirements. It's so hard to really understand all of it um, if you don't put any effort and if you've just been used to having things kind of handed to you, like this is your schedule, this is how things are going to go. Um, that can be a huge shock. Um, and then other issues I feel are societal pressures, like students, I think at that age, I mean, I think even all throughout your 20s, maybe, I feel like you're so much more... Um, influenced by those around you and um, susceptible to others opinions and what they're going through as you get older that kind of like falls off more and when you're that young you're like oh I'm going to choose this major because my friend chose this major and I'm going to do this because Mm -hmm. my friend did this and and sometimes that's not the path that you're meant to go down and so having to really be able to dissect okay is this something that I want or am I just going with the flow because other people are doing this so that's big student loans is a big one students just at that time high school has not prepared them to understand finances neither will college but you know um (laughs) but without all that knowledge and understanding of money and how to work that money if they don't have that and getting offered all this money um and then I see students blowing it all week one on shopping and partying and doing all this not all students right other students are very budget conscious but um I do see that as a prominent issue um I mean I think if we look nationwide at our student loan (laughs) data it can kind of um support that and then uh career selection like being so young and having that feeling of I need to choose my career I need to choose what I'm going to do for the rest of my life like that's hard like and I don't think at that point students understand that it's okay to not know like they feel this yeah. huge um, 
like anxiety of having uncertainty when it comes to what career they're going to pursue. And it shouldn't be that way. Like you shouldn't know, you should be wanting to explore all these different things and not feel bad about it. Like just because your friend has a cookie cutter plan and has a step-by-step plan on what they're going to do, doesn't mean you need to do that. You know? Uh, Yeah. I, I feel the same way uh, too. And like, I think I also see a lot of students, they have a real anxiety around making choices. And it could be as simple as like picking a class, Mm -hmm. whether do I take this class this semester or this semester? Mm -hmm. Um, Or if if you say like, they're like, well, what, what else do I do with the rest of my units I have to take? I'm like, well, whatever you want. And they're like, but what do you mean whatever I want? I'm like, literally whatever you want. And it's like that freedom is it's it leads to like anxiety it's daunting it's like what what do you mean yeah like (laughs) yeah what what what? my mom always did that or whatever you know yeah yeah different for every student I think that Um, all of us probably felt that way didn't you guys feel that way as students I think I did it's just like so much easier to have structure than when you're forced to have to pick things and then you pick things that really didn't help you um so it's mm-hmm, kind of nice yeah. to have some sort of like all right if you're really interested in x y and z these are the classes i recommend right even if that's mm-hmm. not your major like maybe you have a maybe you know you're focused on law but you have a really big interest mm-hmm. in arts and you have these free extra classes to take i recommend maybe you know dabbling in whatever your passions are i don't know no <clears throat> i agree with you and guideline like it's so hard when you're like you could pick whatever and you're like, I i don't know. I'm overwhelmed, you know, like I remember. Feeling yeah, that way. There, there's like a push and pull with when you're advising, though, because a lot of times you're like you want to develop an autonomous student that's going exactly. to be good at making these decisions later on, because right now it's your classes, but later on it's going to be something else. Right. Um. So it's kind of like you give them a little bit, but not Mm -hmm. too much. So like in that case, I would say something like, okay, well, think about what areas are you interested? Uh, Do you want to minor in something? Mm -hmm. Uh, Whatever. Yeah. Daisy, what do you want to add? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think you hit the nail on the head where as advisors, we're always um, trying to balance prescriptive advising versus um, you know, developmental advising. So prescriptive, you tell the student, like, this is your structure. And we kind of do that already because their major requirements and their, you know, general ed requirements are very prescribed. Like, these, these you have yeah. to do these. <laughs> and these right, are your exactly. options for that. And so that's pretty, like, set. But then when it comes to the extra units, it's like, this is your chance to be autonomous and decide this is what I want to do. And I did feel that way when I was an undergrad, when I had those extra units, I was like, oh, my advice, my advisor didn't tell me anything because I didn't go see there. But, but I looked at the catalog and I was like, well, I'm interested in law. So let me, there's this law and society attachment, like minor that I can do, or, or it's like a double major, like that I can do with my degree. So let me pursue that. And I looked up the requirements and, and you do that. And I felt really proud about doing that. But I also understand that some students don't know how to do that, don't know how to look at the catalog. And that's the students that are in my office. And I have to kind of help them and say, okay, look, this is where you're going to look. I'm not going to tell you 
oh, look, this is the perfect thing for you. Mm -hmm. Because then if it doesn't work and you feel like, oh, I wasted my units on that, you're going to be back in my office and you're going to be like, you told me that I needed to take this class and I, it's terrible. I don't like it. And it's your fault. Yeah. You know, I can't have that. So these are your options. These are how, this is how to explore your options and make me proud by going and like figuring it out on your own, you know? So it's, it's definitely like she said, a push and pull. Um, but then for first gen students, I do have like a softer spot because I feel like that's even more complex for them because they've Mm -hmm. really never had any guidance when it comes to this. They can't go home and be like, Hey mom, like help me explore this. Or like, Hey brother, help me like look into this. Mm -hmm. Like they don't have that. So I do take a little bit more time with our first gen students because I know that that's a whole new world for them. Exactly. And I also agree that you don't have to make a decision. You know, you said students often feel that like you have to pick your major or you pick it based on what your friends you know, I, being in marketing, I've met so many colleagues who come from backgrounds and, and, you know, bachelors or masters in English literature, history, biology, like we all work in the same field. And all of us have like, a variety of academic backgrounds. And it's like, okay, to pick something and maybe switch gears down the line, whether that's when you're already in your career or even at the tail end before you graduate. I did that. And I think it's like totally okay. Mm-hmm, you know, completely. And not feel pressured to have to make that decision yep. like now. And it's going to be like an end all be all for you or for any students who feel that. Yeah. And then going back to, um, you asked like, what are some of the challenges like for first gen students? Definitely. Like I mentioned, like navigating the higher ed institution and also the resources. Like I did not know that there was so, until I worked as a staff member, <laughs> I realized how many resources that were available to me that I just never tapped into like the career center, counseling center, um, even tutoring yeah tutoring academic resource center like there's so case managers like and then there's even targeted resources like if you're a transfer if you're a veteran if you're a student with disabilities like lgbtq like there's everything for you and it's hard to know that as a first-gen student like you're just there trying to get your classes through and then the importance of networking like i just thought i'm gonna get my classes and get out and really networking is a huge thing and um, one of the things that I've really seen that makes a difference for some students is knowing who to contact, you know, some of the students that you could tell their parents and their parents and their parents went to college, like they immediately know that, oh, I'm going to email the chancellor for this. or I'm going to email this person for this and I'm going to escalate this. And it's, and all of a sudden what they needed got done, you know, and, and I'm not saying like all students should do that, but if you're a first please student, do not email the chancellor. Please not do that. <laughs> oh my gosh. She didn't respond to me within 24 hours. I'm going to email the chancellor. Like, please don't do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, just like knowing who to contact to escalate something. If you feel like a faculty did, did you a disservice, which unfortunately, like it can happen sometimes. And yeah. if you don't know who to contact, you just take that, that, that L and you're like, okay, whatever. Like it is what it is. Like he sucks or she sucks, but I just got to deal with it. But no, you don't. But as a first yeah. student, you might not know who you, who you can contact for that. And when you see other students that can, you're just like, mm. like, I wish all students knew how to do this, you know? So yeah, that can be hard. Yeah. Like I remember when I first was in my higher ed program and I learned about an ombud and I yes. was like, what the-? and I was like I can't even pronounce it girl <laughs> what is that? I know and then I, 
so it's people that actually help you um, either in the workplace, so in a higher ed institution or for students, if they have something like Daisy was mentioning, like a professor was uh, grading a student unfairly based on several factors it could be race gender all sorts of things i mean there's also like equity offices but they can help with basically managing disputes between two people they're like a person yeah they're a mediator a person that's trained professional to like uh deliberate in between disputes and be like okay i don't know it's it's interesting. I've never had to use them, but I definitely refer students to them. Yeah. When there's also when there's an issue. Yeah, there's also case managers. Like now, after Virginia Tech, a lot of campuses um, created the position of campus social worker, and so there's a social worker to help you connect to um, community resources as well as on-campus resources and they actually are able to communicate with all the offices on campus whereas if I call the counseling center they can't give me any information because of HIPAA if I um and um if I call same thing with like the uh health center same thing like there's a lot of um, limitations as to what each advisor can do but there's campus social workers that really can tap into all the different resources and all the different departments to help the student get what they need um, mm-hmm. but students re- very few students know that they exist at least in my yeah. my experience first gen yeah. Daisy, I think mm-hmm. that's a good segue to the next question I'm gonna do kind of a combination so like what advice do you give students who are trying to find their sense of community, even more so they're trying to find these resources. And also why why is it that colleges do such a, I'm just generalizing, not your specific or, or any of your specific universities, but do a poor job of promoting the fact that there are these resources. Like it's sad to know, I didn't know this either. And I went to two different schools. I never knew about all these resources available, but it's like, there must be, what is lacking? There must be some kind of lack in the promoting of the resources or understanding like, you know, that students, especially first-gen students or a lot of Latinos, um, to find this sense of community, to find this resources available so that they can really prosper in their college career journeys. Yeah, um, so let me kind of separate it into two. So for the sense of community, I feel that student organizations can really serve that purpose. And for me, I explored different ones after I kind of settled into my dorm and like got to figure out my classes. I was like, okay, um, let me figure out what these students orgs are about. And I, so I went out and I explored and I went to a few different ones and I really didn't feel connection. And so me and a few friends kind of felt the same way. And so we created our own organization called Latino Union. Oh, Oh my gosh. I haven't talked. That's how I met you. Yes. Oh my gosh. So what it was. Taking me back. (laughs) Taking me way back. I know. Yeah. um, Lots of memories had there. So um, Mm -hmm. what it was, it was, we got together, we created a constitution and we went to um, like our student org department and we created the org and got it on record. And it was so easy, like looking back and now that org is still on campus, they're dedicated to serving um, the community through um, volunteerism and also creating community with each other by participating in 
some students would be to explore what's out there. If you find something wonderful, that's your new community and you're going to love it. And then if you don't, then you create your own and it'll be something that kind of will be your legacy at that campus. And, and hopefully it'll grow even after you, you leave, which is the case now with our organization. So it's, it's pretty amazing to find that. Um, and ultimately, like, even if you don't do a student org, just a community of friends too, you know, um, somebody that has interests related to yours and just someone that you can lean on because it is a lonely venture, especially if you're like leaving your home and your family, like it's, it's scary. So it's good to have a, any type of community that you can build. Um, I don't know if you want to add anything, Elvia. Yeah, I would say, like, um, you know, don't be afraid to talk to a stranger in a class. Um, you know, start off by, you know, making it like mm-hmm. you want to form a study group and then friendships can come out of that. Um, yeah, and trying to just get involved and talking to people and building your little community of people that will be there for you while you're going through your time at college. Like it's important. And I think it can be really hard to find it, but once you do, um, it and really, it really makes is, a world of a difference. it'll affect your entire life. Like, like I said, like I met my husband through the organization, like not, we didn't date at the time, but later on after, we connected and we had that in common and we kind of took off from there. I have Elvia as like one of my closest friends and we all have a group of friends that we are now supporting each other through career moves, through weddings, through babies, me. <laughs> and, and it's wonderful to have that <laughs> support system. That's not going to carry you just through your undergrad, but it's going to really be there for you. If it's, if it's really you know, close, it'll be there through the rest of your years. So I'm going to be with you, Elvia, to the end of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you asked a bigger question um, about the um, communication that we can put out to students about resources. And I mean, that is a yeah. huge question. And I think we talk about it every year. Like, how can we make students aware of what is available to them? And, um, it's hard because when students start, we throw all this information at them. Like there's this, there's that, there's like, there's orientation and we Mm -hmm. inundate them with information. And then every department has their own way of putting out their services to students um, and advertising that, but not everything is the same. Um, We do have like one central office, a student affairs office that kind of houses everything and, you go to their website you can kind of see that but as a first gen student are you gonna think like let me go to this website and figure out who's here so if we do put out a flyer for that website it probably gets lost among the thousands of flyers that they're getting for other services for other things so it's kind of it's it's hard it's hard even just our advising services sometimes it's hard to get that to students because they get thousands of emails and then we tell them read all your emails but I mean it's really not realistic for them to read every single one so I don't know what do you think of you yeah I think it's it's a hard topic and I think every department on a college campus struggles with this and um I think it's also because there's so much like we have to tell and inform the students like 
it's impossible to retain all that, especially when it's your first week or the summer before you start going through orientation and retaining everything you learned. Like, oh, there's this office and this office and this office. By the time you like enroll, start classes, and then you deal with the anxiety and the preoccupations you have in terms of that, like... And there's also, sorry to cut you off, but there's also the fact that a lot of students, and I've seen this firsthand, um, that are coming in and they feel like they don't need anything. Like, oh, I don't, I got this. Like, I got in here and I'm good. Like, I don't need support, especially like non-Christian students. They they feel like, oh, I already know this. I already know this. And and so they kind of discard all that information too. And then when, you know, things get tough, if they don't if they reach out to me and say you know I'm struggling then I can connect them to resources but there's students that don't reach out sometimes it's pride sometimes it's I'm going to figure it out on my own um and then they don't get to tap into those resources because the timing just wasn't right for them yeah mm-hmm. and i want to add to that like you know in in prior episodes we've talked about um how too much information gets you lost yeah. And so you kind of touched on that mm-hmm. when you're over inundated. It's like, how can you streamline that process? So students feel like, okay, step one in my career is doing this. Step two is do it, you know, like as a way for them not to feel overwhelmed because when you enter college and there is so much, how to not get lost in what you need to take. And then also advising comes really after, right? Because you finally kind of get into your groove of classes and, and, you know, you're starting to like really get a feel for it. And when you feel like you need guidance because maybe you're a little bit lost or whatever the case may be, that's when you're really like seeking these additional resources. Um, But it's like, I don't know, how do you create that in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming? Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Yeah. So I think in terms, this is a good, um, way to maybe talk about what when you're a college student and you're just starting off or you're first gen what are like the top places or tips that you would recommend a, a student to have when they're navigating their college careers like when they get on that campus what are some of the first things um, that they should do or some things you wish you would have known while you were, you know, navigating your college experience. After the dust settles and you're in your classes, um, start looking through all those materials you were given and really make some time to explore all those offices, maybe map out, okay, this week I'm going to visit this office, this week I'm going to do that. A lot of students think like, oh, the career center, I'll go my senior year so that I can like have them help help me get a job you know it's like no 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 no. get a job first year so you can start working on your resume and networking and all that so really start tapping into those resources your first year and then figuring out where you want to put timetables to visit those resources again you know and then um a big one and this is just a general tip um for all undergrads is just the importance of networking because you often feel like, oh, I'm here to get a degree and I'm going to be done, right? I just got to check off these requirements and I'm done. But so much of it, 
I mean, so many students are getting their BA now, right? And so how are you going to stand out? And the big key here is not only your extracurricular activities, but really the network that you create. And so for first gen, this is hard. I know it was petrifying for me, but you got to walk up to those faculty and talk to them. They are normal people. Something that I learned when I was um, Mm -hmm. working as a graduate advisor, so helping students getting their master's and PhDs, I was managing the entire admissions process, um, the, you know, students submitting their applications and seeing what kind of applications were coming in and then putting those forth to our admissions committees and seeing the faculty that led those committees and how they made these decisions. And I can tell you, I can't tell you how many times I would see a faculty vouch for a student and say, you know, I'm going to be working with that students. They've committed to re- doing research with me. Their interests match mine. I want them in the program. And so out the window went so many other things that the student had worked on. They just had that connection and that kind of made the deal. Obviously, you still want to be a good student and all mm-hmm. that, right? And have that experience. But really building that network, yeah. talking to those faculty, talking to advisors, talking to, um, you know, the chancellor sometimes has like walk with the chancellor you know go participate in that like don't be intimidated because I I know that as an undergrad I was very intimidated because I was first gen and I kind of saw faculty as untouchable and some of them do put up a front like don't talk to me like um, but really when you go see them in office hours and then start building that rapport with them you realize like oh they're super cool you know and and don't be discouraged if you have a bad mm-hmm. experience with one faculty member because one does not mean all you know so don't be discouraged mm-hmm. either um, just dust yourself off right. and go see another faculty member because you're really going to rob yourself of opportunities they can connect you to research. They can connect you to grad programs. They can connect you to other faculty at other institutions that can give you a leg up when you're applying. So that one is a super important one that I really wish that I knew. So Daisy, is there anything else that you want to add regarding students currently affected by COVID? Any other tips or advice um, about navigating this time? Yeah, especially since we went through, you know, we graduated at a time when there was a recession going on. I know it's not the same thing, but there's also a lot of like similarities in terms of us facing a lot of um, insecurities in the job market and, um, you know, just feeling concerned into what we're going to be stepping into. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a scary time for sure. Um, with our students, uh, I'm just trying to make sure that they feel um, heard, first of all, as an advisor, just making sure that I am taking their concerns and not just listening, but actually listening and communicating and relaying that information over to the persons that can make change, the individuals in charge, like our provost and our chancellor, and making sure that that goes up the, the ladder to make sure that they can possibly implement some change um, that might make things better. Obviously, there's not a perfect solution because, you know, based on CDC guidelines and departments of public health, like there's no way that we're going to be back on campus. And students are starting to realize that, you know, um, they're going to miss a lot of opportunities. 
just in these next, you know, two months, they're not going to have their graduation. Um, a lot of them had their senior year spring internships and in, um, already put in line and they've lost that as well. Some of them had job job offers that have now been rescinded. And so it's a very, very scary time. Um, but before graduating, I would encourage students to really push to um, their advisors, their faculty, uh, their campus leadership to see what they can do to help them. Um, for example, mm -hmm. our campus is doing because um, even just the fact that students now have to take other classes online is a huge dramatic change. And so there's um, technology loaning, right? Like if you don't have the technology, the campus will lend you um, some a device that will hold you over. Um, and there's also software licensing that you can get. I mean, they have to be able to provide all of that for you since they've done this so suddenly. And so... Um, Tapping into those resources, I know that as a student, I wasn't always the best at, you know, doing some research and looking online to see what's available to me. But right now is not the time to kind of sit back and hope that things land in your lap because that's really not going to happen, especially being so disconnected. You have to really be proactive and engage in whatever way you can. Make a Zoom appointment with your advisor. Um, go online and see what, what ITS, like the tech support, can do to help you if you're having um, trouble accessing the technology or if you're having internet problems there's providers that are giving internet service right now for free and so it's a it's a time to really advocate for yourself and it's actually a lesson to be learned just for your entire career because you're gonna have to do that mm -hmm. in the long run and it's just gonna make you a better professional and being able to do that for yourself and so that those would be my tips and also um don't kind of throw your arms in this in the air and say well it is what it is I've lost all these connections like absolutely not hold on to your network check in with them let them know how you're doing and build on that so that when things get better they can think of you and they can say oh yeah this person you know remained in contact maybe we can offer them an opportunity and so make sure that those are still uh, good standing relationships so those would be some tips for students and overall I just think this is this is a very tragic time and I remember my parents were very hesitant growing up being Latino um, to use like governmental resources or community resources they were always like oh no you know like we don't qualify or it can jeopardize something for us you know and it's it, and to know, especially now as a parent, that right now there's families out there that are dealing with food insecurity or, you know, just having to be exposed by having to go to work and things like that. Like, really put that pride aside and do everything you can to tap into as many resources to um, help your families. Um, and even if it's not like community resources, reach out to your loved ones, to your friends, to your network and see what they can do for you if you're struggling. Because if I have anything extra to give, I will give it, you know? So it's, it's something that I think as Latinos, sometimes we're very shy about reaching out to each other. Um, I'm not sure why that is or what's the cultural uh, stigma behind that. But even um, within our families, sometimes we are very, um, we overthink it, you know, right now it's not the time to overthink. Just we have to help each other as much as we can. So, yeah. I think those are such great tips to really reassure students about this time. Um, and I definitely want to make sure I lay these out in the description because I want to make sure that they are being very proactive. Mm -hmm. um, just like you said, it's not about throwing your hands up. So, so those are really great tips. Yeah. 
And, you know, I, you know, agree with everything Daisy just said. Um, it's, it's such a good time to practice, you know, advocating for yourself as much as possible. And even if you don't think like the issue that you're having, the ser- there's a like exact resource or service that exists, still tell somebody about that, still communicate. Uh, because we can, as advisors, can try to make it happen in some way or try to get you help in some way. So talk to somebody, ask questions, advocate for yourself as much as possible uh, during this time, especially because someone will find a way to get you the help that you yeah. need. Yeah. And if it's so. not exactly what you need, then maybe it's halfway, but hey, that's even better than nothing at all, right? So um exactly. so definitely advocate for yourself. Also for students, I know that there has been a swarm of emails going out and it's so hard to say I'm going to read every single one of these, but try to read the most relevant ones. For example, in our campus, mm-hmm. we've changed a lot of the grading policies, we've changed a lot of the deadlines. Um, to where students can Mm -hmm. drop a class all the way until week eight whereas usually they could only drop until week two so that's huge because you have until week eight to decide if this class is good for you or not you know and 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 if students don't read their email or don't get informed as much as we may try to reach them if they don't know that information they might be sitting in a class and online did not work for them and it's week five and they're failing and they just keep it because they didn't know and that's really unfortunate. So I would also encourage students to stay on top of those emails to make sure that they know what's relevant to their education. Yeah, speaking about emails, also add like any academic offices like your department or um, just the school or the college that you might be part of. Uh, a lot of them have Instagram accounts where they're putting out reminders on all the deadlines, you know, little uh, snapshots, maybe they might be explaining a policy change or something like that. So it's really great to add those Instagram accounts right now, maybe even some Facebook, uh, depending how each office uses their social media. Uh, That's also definitely a good way to get a lot of information right now. Because everything is online. It is. And we won't follow you back. I always tell students, like, I don't care what you're doing. Just follow us. We won't follow you back. Exactly. (laughs) I actually wanted to just mention that I think it's great that people look at both of you as advisors and both, like, from an educational and academic leader, but also as a human. I mean, you are also mothers and you are also daughters and you are also dealing with the impact, right? You personally are affected by this too. And so you can come from a very empathetic standpoint to these students, not just from an academic standpoint, but what it is from a mental standpoint, what it is from a stressful standpoint, you know, because we're all really in the same boat together. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. on that note, and I I don't want to keep it going, but on that note, I do want to add that there is um, a lot of anxiety surrounding COVID, like just the fact that this is so unprecedented. I mean, well, not completely. We did have a similar virus in 1918 or whatnot, but in our generation, this is unprecedented. And so 
um, students having to be completely displaced and from their campus, from their dorm, from their apartment community and be at home and not be able to um, socialize in person and all of that, it really has taken a toll on some students and even on just anyone, right? It can be depressing. It can be, um, it, it can give you anxiety to not have that human connection. So make sure you also reach out to um, your mental health services, therapists, um, campus does a good job of reaching out, but they can't reach every student. So we're doing a phone campaign to just check on students, but obviously some we might just not get a hold of. If anybody out there is struggling, make sure you reach out to the services that could possibly help you um, because they're there for you and it's perfectly okay to feel the way that you're feeling. It's a very strange and scary time and we can't you know, um, just pretend it's going to be okay. We, we have to really help ourselves right now because there's no one around us at times. And so we really have to try to make that effort to reach out. Hey girls, so we are getting ready to wrap up this conversation. It's been so good. I'm sure students and a lot of the young Latina audience are going to take so much from this. Um, so as you know, I created Misinformed Latina out of frustration of so many things that I wish I would have known including mm-hmm. them finances, girl, that we <laughs> talked about earlier. So knowing what you know now uh, about life in general, inclusive of being in, in academia, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Oh, so many things. Um, you are beautiful and your body is bomb, girl. <laughs> First of all, Ooh, yes, yeah. honey, slay, slay, after two slay. babies, I'm looking back at that 20 year old girl like, damn. <laughs> but you know, you never feel that way when you're you're in that moment, you know. So yeah, I would be like, you're like, damn, yeah, I'm one snatch. Right, so, but on the more serious note, I would definitely tell myself like, save your money, like save for retirement, start building that that little cash on the side. You don't need to. Um, by every want think about it okay so in addition to the needs okay. versus wants um you know ignoring all the societal pressure building a strong network but more importantly i would say one of the biggest pieces of advice i would give myself would be to be courageous and to just step into the unknown and to not doubt myself because i had the opportunity to go to law school And um, I did really well in my law and society classes and connected with the faculty there more than I did in my psych major. And they all told me, like, are you not going to apply? Like, what's going on? And I was like, no, 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 no. I know what I'm doing. I'm going into student affairs because everything was kind of leading towards that path. And I really felt a passion for it. But ultimately, looking back, I know that there was some doubt in my head because it was such a huge mountain to climb in my eyes. And it almost seemed like not doable for me. Like I can't, I can't get a JD, you know, like I I don't know how that works, but yet I had a network, not only of faculty, but also of lawyers. I worked for a lawyer like, and he's one of my really good friends still. And he's a, a wonderful lawyer in Riverside and, and he has a huge network that he could have connected me with that he has connected me with. So it's, it's kind of like, a missed opportunity and if I'm honest it was just because of it being something so foreign to me and so first gen mindset totally hit me and I was like oh I can't do that I see it now but at the time I probably didn't recognize it as as that so yeah definitely just jump into the unknown no pasa nada like my dad always says 
todo tiene solución menos la muerte. So, I mean, it would have been fine. Even if I crashed and failed, like, what would have happened? Nothing, right? So. Uh, yeah. Me too. I love that. I love I, I, that. I want to add to that. So I good. think I... I think I, I don't know if this is cultural and, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, being Latinas yourselves, like so much self-doubt. Um, I feel like I've spent, I'm going to say the majority of at least my adolescent to adult life with self-doubt instead of just diving in and seeing what happens. And I think I've only recently begun, you know, now in our 30s to start just putting myself out there regardless of whatever doubts I had. And almost always, almost always. Yes, absolutely. You know, my husband tells me, you know, go to law school now because we were just kind of talking about this. He's like, go like now. And I'm like, boy, like, I'm not going to go to law school now, though, because I have my two babies. And so my mindset changed. But honestly, if I did not have my wonderful kids that I love so much, like I, I probably would be exploring that right now because I feel like I don't know you get this kind of edge once you're in your 30s and you're like oh I can do this but right now my current mountain is taking care of my kids and just loving on them and caring for them and I wouldn't have it any other way and I wouldn't want to add anything that would take me from them um but yes you're right that at this age you kind of start checking off things that you thought maybe in your 20s were not doable so yeah for sure totally What would you say is the best advice you've ever received? It could be coming from your tia, your abuela, your supervisor, a mentor, okay. coach, anybody. Well, it's going to be what I just said, which is solución menos la muerte. And it's from my dad. Like he, okay. I could call him in the middle of any chaos. I've been like in a, like I've been a victim, like in a bank robbery when I worked at the bank. Like I've, you know, car accident and anything. I call my dad and he's like, You're alive, no pasa nada. Like, todo tiene solución menos la muerte. And even when he's not around me, like, and if I don't call him, if something is stressful or just a little bit too much or work is overwhelming and I'm just like, you know what, take a step back. No pasa nada, everything's fine. There's going to be a solution to this. And as long as we're all alive, then we're okay. I love that girl. I need to put that on repeat. I need to put that on my refri. Yeah, I mean, no, we are. I mean, because... <laughs> your dad you. should make some merch. Girl. He makes everything. If I ask him, like, build me this, he'll build it. So he's going to start making some t shirts tomorrow. So don't even get me started. <laughs> yeah, girl. <laughs> no, but really, yeah, girl, um, I'll buy it. I think I'll our Latino it. parents just are such great support. Like, I feel like they're our security blanket. They really help us feel like no matter what we have them like they're gonna catch us if anything happens and we're gonna catch them because that's what we owe them and I know we're living in very scary times right now and I feel that you know we've limited how much we see them and and if something like this virus were to hit them I don't know if that they could make it and so it really gives you perspective and it makes you just value every minute just so much more and just everything around you I feel like as sad and 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 stressful as these times are like you know job loss left and right you know and you just have to think it's okay todo tiene solución like i i'll get that money back i will be okay my, is my family safe am i safe 
do I have a roof over my head? Yes, I do. I am okay. Am I eating? Girl, I am way too much in this quarantine. (laughs) 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 Yeah. But if if, if you're you're good and you're well, your family's good, like, we'll we'll get through this. Ah, love that. Yeah. All right, girl. So we're going to wrap this up. I just want to first say thank you so, so, so much for coming on, for spending the time with us. You know, you got two little babies you're watching over, plus working, plus you're a wifey, plus you are your own human wonderful self. And so that's a lot in and of itself. So thank you so much. I think so many students are going to, so many students, young Latinos, people who are just in this space right now are going to take such good tips and advice away from this episode so thank you again where can people find you um anything else that you want to add um no just thank you guys thank you for the work that you're doing it's amazing um like you said i do feel that a lot of this information needs to be out there so i hope it gets to the right ears um and as far as finding me i do i am on instagram la daisy which is what my family calls me and so it's just um, L-A underscore D-E-I-S-Y and my email if you want to reach out is um, D-E-I-S-Y E-S-C-O-1 at gmail.com and I'm sure they'll add that to the notes or description and um, if you just want to talk about higher education the process or the networking or how to reach out to faculty or just want some mentorship or connecting to resources i don't have all of life's answers i wish i did but i can connect you maybe to some people that can help Mm. you navigate whatever you're going through so definitely happy to help if i can thank you so much yeah All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining in today and tuning in. Um, Don't forget to subscribe and uh, we will catch you on our next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.